0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that opinions all are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised.
1: On this week's Court TV podcast, we look back on 2019 and some of the biggest cases we covered on Court TV. Trials that shocked the nation, changed perceptions of the law, and moved us to tears.
0: This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinny Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to a very special Court TV Podcast. I'm Vinny
2: Politan along with Seema Iyer. And can you believe this is the end of year one of the relaunch of Court TV?
1: I can't believe it. It has been absolutely one of the best years of my life, hands down.
2: Yeah, it's great to be back And there. You know, today on the podcast, we want to take a look back at the biggest cases and some of the biggest moments. And when you talk about jaw-dropping moments, let's just put this one out there. Scott Nelson, accused of murder, takes a stand in his own defense.
1: And said this. How has your mental health been affected by your previous incarceration?
0: I am a homicidal maniac.
1: Judge, I don't have any other questions.
0: Rose examination.
2: Mr. Nelson, do you want to be sentenced to death?
1: Yes. I'm going to object. That's an improper question. I'll sustain the objection.
2: Wow. I- I've never seen a criminal defendant <laughs> facing the death penalty get up on the stand and declare to the jury, I'm a homicidal maniac.
1: The best is the... Was that the prosecutor? Right after that, she goes, uh, "Judge, I don't have any more questions <laughs> because what else could I possibly get from this? It Un- was perfect,
2: unbelievable." And then asked to be sentenced to death. And two things about this whole thing: number number one, it took the jury a while to come to this verdict, which was a head scratcher. Uh, but then in the end, they did not sentence him to death.
1: That's right. And I think, given all the circumstances, his mental health, uh, what he wanted was perhaps taken into consideration there were a lot of witnesses that in fact testified in support of saving his life and his life was saved but that was only one of the biggest trials we had we've had a lot oh of yeah huge trials uh, another honorable mention the killer girlfriend Ezra McCandless
2: Ezra McCandless you know small town sleepy town in Wisconsin she's uh, in in sort of a love triangle or square pyramid Pyramid, love Pyramid, yeah, exactly. And is uh, accused of murdering her uh, ex boyfriend. She says it was like BDSM.
1: There was BDSM. There was uh, a lot of sexual activity in this tiny little town in wisconsin but i'm glad that trial's over because really i have had nightmares over her main squeeze what was his name jason mangle roger that
2: Yeah, roger that jason mangle was her oh, boyfriend he was,
1: uh, the most annoying witness of the year
2: he was not likable, not likable. And this is a guy who has served this country. And and yet when he got on the witness stand, I mean, everyone kind of like you. And he was the, the love of Ezra's life. And the, and the motive, according to prosecutors, was she killed Alex Woodworth to be with him, to prove her love to him. And she was convicted.
1: What was great about this trial is that we never really bought into the prosecution's motive, but they still got a conviction based on the overwhelming evidence. Uh, and again, what was bad about this trial is Jason Mengel. And the uh, repercussions of Jason Mengel's testimony is that every day when I ask Vinnie Politan a question, he answers with, Roger that. Roger and that. it's I, annoying every day.
2: Yeah, well, I just and want I to you. And I hope you stop
1: you. in 2020.
2: I want to remind you of I just Mengel. want you to
1: stop in 2020.
2: Remember Grant Amato? <gasps> This was a, oh. a, such a tragic, horrific case. He, he, he murdered his entire family, except for one brother who wasn't home. I mean, He killed his brother, his mother, and his father, all because he was hooked on a webcam girl from Bulgaria and had stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars from the family. They tried to keep him away from her, and he just was obsessed with this woman.
1: He... Wins our 2019 Creeper Award. He was very creepy.
2: He he absolutely was. And and it seemed that, uh, and that was another death penalty case, did not get the death penalty, but he eliminated his family, and his family did everything they could to try to yeah, help him. It was, yeah, and that's support tragic. Him. That's a tragic. Absolutely tragic. But it, it opened up, my mind, to another whole world of addiction that's out there that can be dangerous. You wouldn't think being addicted to a webcam girl would be lethal or dangerous.
1: But- underlying that particular addiction is one of the oldest themes in jurisprudence, and that is heat of passion. Heat of passion. And what passion makes people do. Grant Amato, another victim of that.
2: Yeah, locked up for life, did not get the death penalty.
1: Okay, so now we are going to talk about one of the most fascinating trials that we covered. One case that is still going on. Because in my mind, this case is not over. We covered the case of Florida versus Magbanawa and Garcia. Now, Magbanawa and Garcia involved the death of a beloved, prestigious law professor, Dan Markell. Professor Dan Markell, he was killed back on July 18, 2014, and at that time, he was divorced maybe less than, i think it was less than two years right from wendy yeah, adelson bitter
2: bitter divorce however and uh Really, uh, you talk about once you put a lawyer into the mix in a bitter divorce and someone who's really bright and smart like him, it becomes very litigious and it seems like it got very personal. It,
1: this is this is a crazy story. It's just insane. So let me just break it down and uh, everybody go to core dot com, read about it, watch uh, the coverage that we have on there. It's It's so good. And I still like I said, this case is not over. So, OK, here we go. Dan Markell, the victim, was married to Wendy Adelson. They have this bitter divorce. Wendy Adelson's parents, Donna and Harvey, who live in the Miami Beach area, they want Wendy to move from Tallahassee where she was with their kids and, uh, you know, living near Dan Markell. She, the parents want her to move by them in Miami,
2: which is way far away. If you haven't been, I mean, Florida is a long, skinny state. So Tallahassee is like near the top, and Miami near the oh. bottom. So, so it's not like they're. Oh, okay. It's not like okay. A, a couple hours away. Yeah, I no, mean, that It's makes like sense. relocating to a whole other state.
1: But this wasn't just like, hey, girl, this is a nice idea if you move. They were litigious about it, like you were talking about. This went back and forth even after the divorce. And at one point, the parents said to Wendy, why don't you offer a million bucks to uh, Dan to get the kids to move? Uh, and and then the, the question was, uh, what do we do about this now? What the prosecution's theory has always been, although the Adelson's did not go on trial, was that the mom, Donna, employed the son, Charlie, and said, hey, we have to take care of this. Okay, Charlie, who was a.k.a. the maestro,
2: Yeah, I would call him the maestro.
1: He's, you know, that kind of South Beach, successful doctor. He's a dentist, right? He's a dentist. Yeah,
2: convertible sports car.
1: Yeah, with the license plate saying the maestro. So he uh, used to hang out at nightclubs, and he knew people. So he starts dating a girl named Catherine McBanawa. McBanawa has ties to gang members. She shares kids with some other guy named Sigfredo Garcia. Garcia is friends with Luis Rivera, Garcia, Rivera, go kill Markel. Why are Meg Banawa, Garcia, and Rivera on trial? And where is Charlie Adelson? We don't know. But the bottom line was— The maestro
2: not charged. Still ma- not charged. And that's the big controversy in the case is that the, the man who prosecutors say orchestrated all of this has never been charged. And there's such a discrepancy between him and his family with lots of money and the people who got charged poor with no money.
1: In the beginning of the trial, I thought Wendy had something to do with it, but by the end, I absolutely think that she did not. Wendy testified at trial, though, okay? So let's listen to a little bit of her testimony when asked about whether she was involved in this hit.
0: Were you involved in any way in a plot to kill Dan Markell? No. Do you have any knowledge other than the statements you
2: said your brother made or the jokes your brother made? Do you have any knowledge of anyone being involved in a plot to kill your husband?
1: No. So I don't think Wendy knew, but all the connections were made here during this trial. Wendy testified she'd met Catherine McBanoa when McBanoa was dating Charlie Adelson. So that wasn't in dispute. Garcia, the baby's daddy who McBanoa was on trial with, he's met Charlie Adelson. But where is Charlie Adelson? I don't know. I am hoping in 2020 we get some answers.
2: Yeah, and and, and McBanawa was a hung jury. Was not convicted. That's right. So we could... We're going to have a trial in 2020. Well,
1: here's the deal. Retrial. McBanua, yeah, I think it's scheduled for April 2020. But McBanua is, uh, is still out there uh, with this... You know, she's going to have a new trial. That's fine. And maybe Charlie will be on trial with her. And she did address the issue of Charlie Adelson when she testified. Listen to this. You have information that Charlie Adelson was involved in this? Do I have information? I mean, based on everything that we've been seeing, but I don't have personal information. Based on everything you've seen, do you think Charlie was involved in this? Yes. Do you think Charlie was lying to you? Yes. I think in 2020, the big macher that's what they call Charlie Adelson, the big macher. You know what that means? No idea. Okay, so all my Jewish friends, they use that term for, like, guys, like Jewish guys who think they're, like, hot shots. Gotcha. Hot shots. You know, and that's the he's kind got of chutzpah. guy. he Oh, he definitely has chutzpah. You're going to get people killed? You got <laughs> chutzpah. But I think Charlie Adelson, there's something going on in Tallahassee, and it's not the police department. I just want to put this on record, that when Dan Markell was killed in 2014, the Tallahassee Police Department did exemplary police work Two years tracking down cell phone evidence, surveillance video, everything to find the killer of Dan Markell, and then they did suspect Charlie Adelson. They wired his phone, so all of these phone calls came into evidence. Are going to come in during the retrial again, and they did everything they could to bring Charlie Adelson to justice. The prosecutor she believes that he uh, was at the center of this whole thing, maybe instructed by Donna, but Donna's a nice old Jewish lady. Yeah. Living in Miami Beach, she's and the not whole thing
2: with is they've been trying to get her to testify against Charlie, but she testified at trial, and at trial she testified no direct knowledge, no link. She, you know, said I had nothing to do with this, obviously, which completely uh, destroys any possibility that prosecutors could ever call her as a witness against Charlie, because she would have to contradict her testimony from this trial, so it would never be credible.
1: It's going to be some retrial. I can't wait till 2020.
2: All right. Now, another big one we're going to talk about coming up. And this was one the entire case, entire story was all caught on video. Of course, the video is on courttv.com, but we're going to talk about it. It was uh, Florida versus Michael Draca, a man who was the self appointed handicapped parking spot police fatally shoots an unarmed man in front of his family. We'll talk about that case next.
0: Follow Court TV live over the air uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV and go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area.
2: Huge trial down in Florida this year, earlier this year. Uh, Florida versus Michael Draca. Michael Drake, give you a little bit of background about this guy. He he really hates when people park in handicapped spots. I mean, it, it just tears him apart. Um, you know, he had a loved one who who parked in those spots and, and just drove him crazy when people illegally parked in those spots. So there was this convenience store uh, close to his home uh, down down there in Pinellas County, Florida, and he sort of patrolled it. So anytime someone pulled into the handicap spot who wasn't there, he seemingly would confront them. And, and 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 this and this behavior is 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 not normal. It's ludicrous.
1: Listening to the words coming out of your mouth, I would not believe them, but for the fact that I watched the entire trial.
2: So. The other thing about Michael Drake you need to know is that he exercises his right to carry a firearm and has for many years legally sure. carried a firearm, uh, which you can do down in Florida the The, the problem is and, and where the whole conflict is is he's confronting people who he says are parking illegally and he's got a a gun in his holster, right so there's going to be a confrontation yes, of course and He feels confident, and he is on record saying this, that he was confident in those confrontations because he knew he had his gun. Well,
1: whether you're carrying a gun legally or illegally, and I say this just from clients who carry guns and drug dealers, is that carrying that weapon gives you confidence. You feel like you are indestructible. No one is going to hurt you.
2: And and there's nothing wrong with that if you're going to defend yourself. The the problem in this case, and as it turned out uh, during the sentencing, because he was convicted, the judge had a problem with the fact that um, he's initiating the confrontations with with strangers. Sure.
1: And what the judge said, which I loved during the sentencing, was uh, the irony is that he parked illegally to confront the victim's wife.
2: Exactly. Now, all of this is caught on the surveillance video at the convenience store. You see someone pulling into this handicapped spot, and you see uh, a man get out with his little son. That's Marquise McLaughlin. Goes inside the convenience store. Then, then you see uh, Michael Drake pull up, park illegally, yes. get out of his car, and starts... Kind of circling the car that is parked there inside is Brittany Jacobs, the girlfriend of Marquise McLaughlin and the mother of their three children. Uh, what she doesn't know at the time, what Marquise doesn't know at the time is she's carrying their fourth child, which is why pregnant. i
1: I refer to as wife, common law wife, but yes, girlfriend technically longtime absolutely. partner. they've been together for nine years and they've got other kids in the car
2: absolutely. and they're all babies and they're all there. And then there's some sort of verbal altercation back and forth, and then a a a Third person pulls up to the convenience store, notices what's going on, right. walks into the convenience store and says, uh, you got to get out there. There's something going on. So Marquise immediately exits the the store, the convenience store, and starts walking towards the man who is now in some sort of verbal altercation uh, with Brittany. Right. And... As he approaches, the first thing he does as he approaches him, and you see this on video, is shoves Michael Drake to the ground and he goes flying, and Michael Drake is pushed back. After he pushes him, he kind of takes one step, maybe, maybe two steps, uh, kind of like a follow-through of the push towards Michael Drake. Then Michael Drake, you see his arm reach for the weapon, and as he reaches for the weapon, immediately you see Marquise McLaughlin on the video take one, two Two and a half steps backwards, away from Draca. Then you see Draca raise the weapon and fire it.
1: And I want to point out that from the vantage point of Marquise McLaughlin, it is possible that even before Drake is reaching for the weapon, Marquise would have seen the weapon. So, but the, you know, you can kind yes. of tell, and yeah, you can tell in the video that he may have seen that. And you say two and a half se- steps back. It's arguable that it was three steps back, but it was yeah. clearly he is moving back, back, back,
2: back and turning away. Yes, and, and we looked at this video, and you can watch it on courttv.com. We put it in slow motion, super slow. We zoomed in everything, so you get an idea of exactly what is happening at the, just before the moment that the gun is fired. Well, Michael Drake is claiming self-defense. He's like, this man was 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 going after me. He was attacking me. He's interrogated by police. Take a listen.
1: Let me ask you a question. You mentioned early that you asked Mustafa about video and stuff like that. Correct. That there were, Do you think the video would show him charging it? Or it running should. At you? Okay. There should be an angle right on that parking spot. Okay. What happens if I told you that I looked at the video and at no time and point does he come running up towards you? He actually takes a step back. I would disagree. Okay. I, I'm just asking. Yeah, okay. I would disagree in a heartbeat. Okay. All right.
2: So Michael Drake had disagreed with the videotape. Basically, the officer already already knew what the situation was. You and know,
1: this whole uh, best of episode is reminding me how much I hated some of our defendants. I really hated him. Well, the, really the, the real hated problem
2: him. I have with him, and you know, people talked about stand your ground here. Now, the big controversy in the case is after after the shooting, Marquise McLaughlin is fatally shot and killed. Um, Michael Drake is interviewed by police. The police have the video in their hands. Yet the Pinellas County Sheriff believes that under the laws of Florida, because Michael Drake is claiming stand your ground, self-defense and all these things, he does not have the right to arrest him.
1: And do you remember that that sheriff is not just a sheriff? He's also a lawyer.
2: He's a lawyer also.
1: I thought that was an interesting tidbit.
2: But his interpretation of the law was, I cannot arrest Michael Yeah, I have to give this case to the DA. So the DA gets it. There's protests. People are outraged. You shot and kill someone, and, and, and it's on video, and, and everyone has seen the video, and this sure. man hasn't been arrested. Eventually, he gets charged, gets arrested, is out on bond. So during the trial, he's walking in and out each and every day, and he is convicted of manslaughter with a firearm, was facing up to 30 years, and ended up with a sentence of 20 years. From my perspective, the takeaway from this trial and why I believe it's so important is what the judge said afterwards that we were talking right. about, that yes, you have a right to carry a far- firearm. Yes, you can stand your ground. Yes, you can defend yourself. But you really can't do that if you are the one initiating the confrontation. And to me, it's the same lesson that we should have learned from George Zimmerman, but no one learned the lesson there because of the verdict. Um, George Zimmerman initiated that confrontation with Trayvon Martin by getting out of his car and trying to track him down that night. The same way Michael Draca initiated the confrontation by... Pretending he is the uh, the the handicap parking police and confronting strangers, and this wasn't the first person. There was another right, man who and testified. And that was witness trial.
1: number one. Witness number one testified that Michael Draca confronted him in the same exact place.
2: Unbelievable. The other thing that really um, got me angry during the sentencing was um, when we talked about. You know, who, who misses who and, and whether yeah. there's any sort of remorse. And I just remember hearing um, Michael Draca talking about missing, missing his dogs at home. And, and, and oh. I understand people love their pets, and I, and I, I get it. I do get it. But little Marquise saw his father shot and killed. There's three other kids who are going to grow up without their dad, who and was a one, big part of their life.
1: And one kid who never met the dad. Who
2: never met his dad. Right. And, and I, when you I, put that on the scales of justice, it, it goes one way for me. I just me. want
1: to point something else out, because there was a lot of uh, at least controversy amongst the commentators that we had during this case about whether Marquise McLaughlin was in the right when he came out of the store. And in my perspective, okay, He comes out of the store, he sees some stranger yelling at his uh, girlfriend, uh, partner, and in very close proximity, a car, you know, parked right near their car, all of that. My argument would have been that he was in the right. It was a clear defense of others and he was in the right to get involved with that. And I just want to stand up for that because I think, you know, people were looking at his actions separate and apart from drake's actions
2: right because he initiated the physical confrontation the first physical act that was taken was actually by marquise mclaughlin
1: okay so next up another huge trial from 2019 this had the entire country captivated and also goes down on my list of most annoying defendants that's next There you go. Okay, Ohio. Skylar Richardson from Ohio. Another momentous trial in 2019 for Court TV. She was uh, the young woman who was pregnant. And the question was, did she get rid of the baby via murder? Or was the baby stillborn? And she went on trial for aggravated murder, involuntary manslaughter, endangering a child, and abuse of a corpse. Because the baby was given birth to, I I, I don't even know how to say this right, in a toilet, in her home.
2: In a toilet and then buried in the backyard.
1: (laughs) Buried in the backyard. And... I classify her as annoying because I just I didn't like her. I think this was such a horrible horrible crime whether from the beginning. I really did not know if the baby was still born uh, or not. I never completely believed that she had it in her to murder the baby. But I felt that she came across as entitled and self-absorbed and she knew she was pregnant. She ignored the doctor's advice. She didn't care for this life, this this human life, whether it's born, stillborn, or whether it's born alive. It is a human life inside your body, and she disregarded it like trash. And I don't want to hear about her putting the flower pot on top because that did nothing for me.
2: The, the bottom line here is, you know, Once she learned that she was pregnant, she did not do the right thing. She didn't take care of that child. She didn't tell anyone about it. She kept it a secret from everyone, including the father of the child, her own mother, her family, her father. And uh, what she did was extremely immature, immoral, and, and reprehensible because that baby should be alive but that's isn't right. because she didn't take the steps that's right to uh, take care of herself and take care of that child she was carrying well,
1: yes after she found out she was pregnant she should have taken better care of herself that being and, said wait no not that being said yet not yet because i just want to point out this is why i have always been a proponent of uh there should be a license like a like an application procedure and a license to have sex. To have if unprotected sex. No, to have any sex. If you can't be mature enough to know what to do when you're pregnant, you shouldn't be having sex.
2: Yeah. I, I, yes, but you're going to have a hard time um,
1: passing that Passing that legislation. Okay, well, you know what? Let's see. Maybe, I, have you maybe seen by next year I'll Have you I'll seen what it? some of
2: these Congress people do? <laughs> They'll never pass it.
1: Okay, but I really, truly believe that this case brought this issue into light, I think, for the entire country, right? Just, you know, this whole idea of the the propriety of pregnancy and having sex and maturity and repercussions and punishment, but also, legally, this trial was full of fascinating legal issues, including false confession.
2: That was my that being said. Oh, I, it was? My, my takeaway from this case that I will never forget Is is— A false confession that was obviously a false confession that the prosecution would not let go of. And to me, that was that was reprehensible behavior on their part, because prosecutors should be seeking the truth and justice, not just a conviction based upon whatever you believed at one point in this case, whatever the evidence pointed to at one point in this case.
1: Skylar Richardson spoke to the police, I think it was two occasions, here's a clip from one of those interviews.
2: And so now, you've got her wrapped up in the towel. You've been holding her, and so you decide. You decide you have to bury her. Why do you decide you have to bury her?
0: I couldn't tell anybody. Because you hadn't told anybody, and you still yeah. didn't want to tell anybody. Yeah, it's not really bad. I didn't. I love you. No, I didn't you tell it's, it's just. It's not for us to say, Scott, or It's not for us to say it's really bad because we're not. We're not trying to judge you or do anything like that.
2: Okay? Are you gonna put me in jail because of that? No, I'm, I'm not. That's not why I'm here today
0: to try to put you in jail. We're still, all we're trying to do is find out. We're still just trying to find out what happened.
1: Hey, Vinny, is it really bad to give birth to a baby in a toilet and then bury it? Is it? I'm not sure.
2: That's bad behavior.
1: How old do you have to be to know that that it's bad behavior?
2: It, it, it. That night, she's home when she goes into labor. She could have screamed out for mom and dad. They could have helped her. They could have called 911. Again, everything that she did um, once she found out she was pregnant was reprehensible. But what was also reprehensible in this case were the behaviors of the interrogators and the prosecutors in this case in in getting a false confession involving an allegation that she burned the baby.
1: Yes, and I really think... The prosecution and law enforcement screwed this case up so badly that it overshadowed Skylar's disgusting behavior.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely did because they claimed because they had what, they have some expert who the anthropologist init- yeah anthropologist who initially says that the remains were burned. So now interrogators have this piece of information and they go and interrogate uh, uh, Skylar Richardson with the fact that they believe is true that the child, the baby, was burned. And they get her to somehow confess to that.
1: I want to read you a part of this transcript because you could, you can, I can read these words to you and I saw it in her. This was the time when I completely believed her because she had no idea what they were talking about. Detective Carter said there's some evidence to show that there was some burning on her. Skylar burned her? And in that moment, she was in utter disbelief. I promise. I, I promise anything. I didn't burn her. My dad has lots of bonfires, but I didn't burn her. And then she goes on to say, "I didn't burn her. I swear on anything. I didn't burn her." Repeat over and over, over and, and over and over again. They invoke the word "cremate" because they're trying to get her to say something about burning. And Vinnie, I really believe this girl did not even know the word cremate you know she she didn't even understand why that word was being said and interspersed with the questions of burning Skylar keeps saying so am I going to go home am I going to go home am I going to go home and the cops they're 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 basically lying to her yeah. saying you "And don't what? forget about
2: the female cop who's holding her hand
1: oh gosh you know I almost Are forgot about me? her it's the end of the year I was forgetting about her and now you brought it up again
2: Damn, yeah Benny, holding damn. Her. and and and, oh. and what happens is the same expert Hate who her. said the remains were burned after the interrogation where they get her to falsely confess to burning the child right. the expert says no the remains were not burned we were wrong R-r-r- like wrong <laughs> but investigators Never let go of it. Prosecutors never let go of it. You have to go with truth and justice, not just a conviction based upon some false information here. And it was so obvious to everyone. You know me. I'm Mr. Prosecutor. I do know you. You I are mean, Mr. For, Prosecutor. for me to call him on this, it has to be outrageous, and it was.
1: It was. It was outrageous. They doubled down on it, and there was even some post-verdict coverage. You remember that interview that Ted Rollins did with the lead investigator, and they just still would not admit to that mistake. They just. They just. They, you they you would have to, to own
2: up to it because you must be seeking truth in this case. And and the truth is the job of the prosecutor. And ultimately, the truth leads to justice. So, um, thank goodness the jury saw through it all.
1: Yes, yes. And oh, at the uh, at the end of the day, as you like to say, uh, Skylar Richardson got seven days, but basically time served, got to go home. And listen, this kid has been given the second chance of a lifetime. Let her do good with that.
0: Yeah, she has to.
2: She has to. All right. Coming up next. What I believe was our biggest trial of the year. Yes. And also included, from my perspective, not just the biggest moment of the year, but the biggest moment in my career in covering trials. Oh, okay.
0: That's next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to courttv.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. The wrong apartment murder trial.
2: This was, from my perspective, our biggest case of the year.
1: Yes, I agree with that.
2: Amber Geiger is a Dallas police officer. She is finishing her shift, gets off of work, and is going back to her apartment. She goes back to the complex. She has an apartment on the third floor, but parks on the fourth floor and walks to the fourth floor apartment directly above her apartment.
1: I need to point out now, because this is a big part of the story, that she is still in uniform. Yes, And this is the first thing that I found to be the most disturbing part of this entire fact pattern because, you know, I I spent a little time working for the NYPD, and a huge rule for the NYPD is you wear civilian clothes to and from the precinct.
2: Yep. Apparently they don't do that in Dallas.
1: It it blows my mind. It blows my mind.
2: So she's walking to her apartment. She believes she's walking to her apartment, and then she takes out her key. Now, the keys at this apartment are not old-fashioned keys. There's these fobs. Do they call them fobs?
1: We could literally do an entire episode on the key.
2: Right, but it's an electronic-type key. So you put it in a keyhole, but then it reads it. But the same key could be put in the keyhole of every apartment in that entire building. So she puts it in, and then she says that the door sort of opens. Right, right and she notices that someone is inside the apartment, which she says she believes is her apartment, so this is an intruder. So, of course, she goes to the gun, says, show me your hands, show me your hands, ends up shooting and killing the man inside. His name is Botham John. He's like the most... He's a guy that, after the trial... You wish you knew absolutely. you wish you had <laughs> time to get to know him. he
1: if we could describe a perfect person, it would be both them Jean, hard uh, hardworking immigrant type of uh, upbringing. Uh, accountant, at, God what, fearing. God fearing, yes. He was
2: Christian a Christian man. Singing gospel first thing in the morning. Yes. Every morning.
1: Remember his neighbors heard him singing yes. gospel through the doors. Oh. Uh, so I think he used to speak to his mom and his sister every single day. Uh worked at one of the big accounting firms.
2: Co-workers love this guy. He was like a like a like, guy. A, like a like a like a bright light. Yes. You know that person that walks into the room is that bright light. Well, every time I saw his picture, I felt that way.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, he was that uh teddy bear and couldn't guy. be doing
2: anything more innocent he is sitting down Thursday night football babe eating a bowl of vanilla ice cream like after a hard day's work he you know he lives alone you come home you have that bowl of ice cream you're watching the the first football game of the season there is nothing and and you're in your own apartment i miss dairy i really miss dairy when we talk about both of them but go ahead keep talking unbelievable and this guy ends up getting shot and killed. So there's outrage. Absolute outrage. A man is just sitting at his apartment and gets shot and killed, and it turns out it's a police officer. But she says it's all a mistake. Right. I, I believed I was... I believe that was going into my own apartment. Now, now, Amber Geiger testified during the trial. Okay,
1: but before we get there, I have to, again... The, Are the, you
2: giving me a but first?
1: Yes, a but first, because I still cannot get over. I will never, ever, ever be able to reconcile how she went into that apartment without realizing that she was standing above the brightest, the reddest welcome mat. Both of John had a bright red welcome mat right. in front of his apartment. Amber Geiger did not. Not only did Amber Geiger not have that welcome mat, but nobody on the floors had that welcome mat. The trial, they showed videos of the third and fourth floor. Nobody had a welcome mat like that. And I just think this is just another case of someone who is undertrained for her job, should not have been a police officer, and so self-absorbed, so self-involved. In, she was, what, sexting some married a coworker.
2: man yeah married coworker
1: married man that she had been sleeping with and what happened i mean is this yeah, is anything worth this
2: the the other part of this though is the defense presented evidence they took a survey of residents of this apartment complex and found something like uh, 15 to 20% sure, of yeah. them had done the same thing put their keys in But they didn't the shoot
1: anybody Vinny they beach. didn't shoot anybody because the
2: doors were locked See, both them John's door was not locked. It was... That's not
1: why... The, wait, that's not why other people didn't shoot anybody. Other people...
2: Well, they probably didn't have guns.
1: And they probably weren't this stupid. I don't think they this made... This is a stupid, stupid crime. This was such a... Oh, absolutely. Very I, preventable.
2: I, I, Very preventable. But let's take a listen. Okay. Are you done with the butt first? <sighs> Fine. Amber Geiger takes the stand.
1: I feel like a terrible
0: person. I feel like a piece of crap. I hate that I have to live with this every single day in my life. (laughs) And I ask God for forgiveness and I hate myself every single day. I feel like I don't deserve the chance to be with my family and friends. (laughs) I wish he was the one with the gun that killed me. I never wanted to take an innocent person's life.
1: And I am so sorry. She is a terrible person. She is a piece of crap.
2: Really? Yeah. You're not buying nope. any of nope. the remorse? No, nope. Because you can be, uh, if you commit a horrible act, it can change you. It can transform you. You can demonstrate actual remorse because there are some criminal defendants who show no remorse. Okay. Never say they're well, sorry. Don't
1: forget that when she testified and she was confronted by this on cross-examination is that... uh When Botham Jean's family was planning his funeral, she was texting friends about going out and getting drunk and partying. So don't tell me about remorse because she was doing all of that when she knew she killed an innocent man.
2: She was convicted, convicted of murder. Now, murder in Texas, different than murder in other states and trials that we've covered here on Court TV. I mean, there are states where murder, it's automatic life in prison without the possibility of parole. Uh, in most states where we cover trials, the judge hands down the sentence, But in Texas, the jury can hand down the sentence, and they did in this case, and they had um, complete discretion. you know? It was like zero life, or anywhere in between. And they handed down a sentence of 10 years. So there was some outrage after that. Right. But after the sentencing, Odom Jean's younger brother, yeah. who didn't testify, didn't say much, uh, his family said he really never spoke much about this, was obviously impacted by all of it, um, spoke in a victim impact statement. And this moment, I will never forget, this moment was the most unexpected display of genuine goodness that I have ever seen inside a courtroom something I will never forget and something that I hope helps the entire community heal from this horrific, horrific crime. This is Brant Jean.
1: I don't know if this is possible but can, can I give her a hug Please?
2: Please? Yes. She murdered his big brother. Yeah. He is such a good human being, such a huge heart, wanted to give Amber Geiger a hug to demonstrate and to try to turn her life around, to try to reach out to her. And Amber Geiger did not want to let go of him. Well,
1: before, when he was asking that question, you could see her from her seat shaking her head so vigorously, yes. And even though we only saw the back of her head, it did appear that she was crying. And that hug
2: went on and on. It went on and on. It was very unusual. I've never seen a request like that. The judge granted it, allowed that moment to happen. And, and, and my hope as a result of that moment that Amber Geiger, because she is getting out of prison, she will have the rest of her life to lead, that she uses that moment to inspire her to live a life like Botham Jean, the man she murdered, was living, and to touch people and reach out to people the way he did and to add something good to this world that she took away when she murdered Botham Jean.
1: I hope that as well. I think that's a perfect way to end this year in review episode. Forgiveness and love and light and hope and all of that matters. And even in a court of law, we can see it.
2: Absolutely. And I want to hope that everyone at home has a wonderful, wonderful new year. We've got a lot more uh, big trials coming up in 2020. But in the meantime, enjoy the holidays.
1: Enjoy the holidays. Absolutely. And... If you are around for the holidays, we will be replaying two of our biggest trials Ohio versus Brooke Schuyler Richardson, as well as Texas versus Amber Geiger.
2: Have a great holiday.
1: Happy holidays. Happy New Year.
0: We'll see you next time. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to courttv.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Core TV in your area.